wonderful listeners. Welcome to episode 127 of the Engage and Equip podcast. This is a resource designed to help form substantive disciples for the local church. I'm Ashlyn Lee, the communications coordinator at High Point, and in this episode of the Cutting Room Floor series, you're going to hear from Nick Gibson, our lead pastor, and Jill Reese, who is on staff at High Point. They will be sharing more thoughts from Nick's sermon called The Mystery of the Church from June 30th, 2019. If you haven't listened to it already, you can find it at highpointchurch.org slash sermons. Thanks for listening and enjoy. So here's a funny, sad story. Funny, sad story. (laughs) We just recorded a whole episode, basically, and... Jill I was, was talking into a microphone that wasn't working. Yep. And I didn't notice. And I didn't either. So. Yeah. In my defense, you were looking at the yes. screen that had the things. And in my defense, you had headphones on and I didn't. Yeah, that's also true. So, <laughs> so mutual fault. <laughs> so this is take two. We're really excited because we're going to be so much more focused and concise the second time. Okay. So here we go. All right. One, three, two, <laughs> one. Hey, everyone. Uh, this is Jill Reese and the Engage and Equip podcast. And I'm here with Pastor Nick Gibson. And we are going to be doing a cutting room floor podcast on the sermon from Sunday, uh, June 30th. Also known as the podcast for when the pastor does not manage his time well on Sunday morning. Yes. If you want to know what a cutting room floor is, Google that with film and you can learn if you're a millennial. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. So Nick, could you quickly summarize the main proposition from your sermon yeah, what I was trying to do in my sermon was I had to say, what is Ephesians? We're going through the book of Ephesians, right? And I said, this morning I want to talk about what is Ephesians doing, right? Especially the first three chapters. And what I tried to argue was the apostle Paul is trying to get our attention to focus on all of the beauty and all of the truth of all that God has done for us, specifically in Christ. Our adoption, our election, our salvation, his grace, how freely he's done everything, how lost we were, and to see all those things and for those things to affect us, right? So the proposition I tried to get across to people was what you give your attention to is probably the most important thing about you, functionally Mm -hmm. speaking, right? Because we live in a culture in which everyone's trying to get our attention, Mm -hmm. and yet what we give our attention to forms us and makes us into the kind of people we're becoming. Right. And God both invites our attention and demands our attention. Mm -hmm. Right. And so who and what we give our attention to in the long run will be the most important thing about us. Mm -hmm. So functionally speaking, who and what you give your attention to will be the most important thing about you. Mm -hmm. And those things require, um, which in our high point language, we've called escaping diversion and embracing discipline. Yeah. And in the book Substance that we publish, uh, there's a chapter on each of those, how to Mm -hmm. escape diversion, how to embrace discipline. If you haven't gotten that book and read it, we really encourage you to do that. Mm -hmm. And we really emphasize you have to do both. You have to actively do the negative work of escaping and freeing yourself from the diversions Mm -hmm. and then secondly disciplining yourself to do the positive things you need to do and embrace that discipline Mm -hmm. that and what that you can think of that is embracing giving your attention to the right things yeah right Mm -hmm. and giving giving your attention to things concentrating on things takes an enormous amount of discipline in fact it's one of the things it's one of the disciplines people struggle the most with Mm-hmm. is the discipline of attending to and giving your attention to the right things. There's some people who, if they could get that right, their whole life would go right. 
Mm-hmm. It's one of the most important disciplines of your life is giving your attention to the right things because what you give your attention to turns out is probably the most important thing about you. Mm-hmm. If you were here for the substance series and as we've talked about it as a church, we've talked about those two things, escaping diversion and embracing discipline in terms of, um, well, more than this, but in terms mostly of what materially and con- in a consumer way we should cut out mm-hmm. and then how to embrace God through in devotion. But, um, in this sermon, you really talked more about, um, attending our hearts and the discipline of that, and also attending to our relationships and different levels of relationships. So we'll get into that a little bit. Yeah. So under what I talked about this, under what, but it could be related to both is God is not just inviting us to simply think cognitively about truths, right? What he wants is for us to attend with our minds also with our hearts and mm-hmm. with our imagination to see not just the truth, but the beauty of the goodness mm-hmm. and the greatness and the graciousness of what he's done so that we understand cognitively, right? It makes it way into our moral conscience, right? So we grapple with it conscientiously, mm-hmm. but that we also grapple with its beauty imaginatively in our mm-hmm. emotional life so that we feel deeply. And he wants all three of those things to happen. He wants us to see it mentally. Mm-hmm. He wants us to embrace it in our conscience morally in its goodness. And he wants us to see it imaginatively with our emotions in its beauty. Mm-hmm. And he wants those three things to come together in power and to transform us and to fill us with strength, right? Beauty, the apprehension of the beauty and goodness of something mm-hmm. and how committed we are to its truthfulness. All three of those create strength in our hearts, not just truth. Truth mm-hmm. alone, that something is true and that's all, does not create courage. Mm-hmm. The fact that you believe that that true thing is good and that it must happen in the world for there ever to be any beauty produces courage. Mm-hmm. And he's created us for all of those things, every person for all of those, to have all of those yeah. capacities. Yeah, and so it says in Colossians, which I quoted, which is a parallel book mm-hmm. to Ephesians, God says, set your hearts on things above Mm -hmm. right and then he says set your minds on things above Mm -hmm. and he wants both and when god when jesus says in the gospels the greatest commandment is this to love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength heart matters like you you have to embrace god with all your heart Mm -hmm. and you can't do it if you're putting your heart to death or Mm -hmm. if you're not paying any attention to the health or Mm-hmm. or the vigor of your emotional life. Mm-hmm. You have to let your heart expand in strength. You have to have a healthy emotional life in order to love God with all your heart. And you mm-hmm. can't say, well, I'm loving God with all the heart that I've got if you're letting 80% of it be dead, mm-hmm. right? Part of becoming a fully alive Christian is letting the Holy Spirit heal your heart, access your heart, realive in your emotional life so that you can love God, not just with all of the 20% of your heart that's functioning, Mm-hmm. but with all of the increasing amount of your heart that's functioning in a deeper, mm-hmm. richer emotional life. Mm-hmm. If we, if there's people listening um, who haven't done this and are very cognitive and very intellectual, yeah. um, how, what are some ways to start doing this? Yeah. So I, I think there's two ways I normally talk about this. One is that some people are very cognitive and they just don't like to use their mind for imaginative things. And they tend to just order things with their mind. And 
emotion often will see the beauty of things when you allow yourself to open Mm -hmm. your mind to imagination, to imaginatively think through the truths that like to see it and to see it in its size, not just accurately in its form, but to see its size and its its landscape. Right. Mm -hmm. Like some people, they look at a truth and all they see is lines. Right. But a truth is kind of like a mountain range. Hmm. Right. You can reduce it to lines. You can make it all make sense but you can lose the picture and you don't see the beauty. And so sometimes you just have to allow your imagination to enter in and allow certain intuitive functions in your, in your heart thinking to have some sway and allow yourself to sort of apprehend the beauty, even while you're thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Right? And then secondly, some of us are just super shut down emotionally and the places where the truths of God want to access you, you just have them buried mm-hmm. and you just really can't, you're not going to be able to love God with all your heart mm-hmm. or see these things with your emotion mm-hmm. until you begin to unbury your heart mm-hmm. and your emotions. And there's a lot of people, especially since the sexual revolution in which an enormous amount of pain and trauma was unleashed upon people by taking away of like a lot of guardrails. Mm-hmm. And we just have a, several, a few generations now that are just traumatized relationally mm-hmm. And traumatized personally. And they just, they've shut down a ton of emotion. Now, I'm not saying mm-hmm. that we were all completely emotionally healthy before that. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Right? It's it's actually extremely common. Because see, the thing is, very few people choose in trauma to shut down their mind. Hmm. That's just not how we respond. Yeah. Yeah. Right? What we do is we like, we try to get more out of our minds and we mm-hmm. shut down our emotions. So so it's pretty normal. You don't you don't meet a lot of people like, oh, their emotions are so vibrant, but they just can't think <laughs> any thoughts. It's because they've yeah. been hurt, right? No, we shut down our emotions and we spend more effort on our thinking. Mm-hmm. And part of redemption is God wants to heal, mm-hmm. right? And so it's not that he doesn't want you to think. He wants you to think. He just doesn't want you to use your mind for what your heart is for. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So people like me who almost wish that all there was was thought or I used to feel that way. Mm-hmm. I don't say, Oh, I just need to, I just need to use my heart to make decisions and stuff. No, mm-hmm. I just need to not use my mind for what my heart is for mm-hmm. and not use my heart for what my mind is for. Mm-hmm. And the two need to be in agreement with each other in unity with one another. And I experience that more and more now as I get older and I try to, I've tried to open up my emotional life more. I will be thinking very aggressively with my thoughts and I will come to realizations that will immediately access my emotional imagination and I'll feel something mm-hmm. like worship or happiness or yeah. joy or interest. Mm-hmm. And the, it's because the two are in agreement. It's not because I'm using my mind less. It's that my mind and my heart are getting along. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that makes me think of it's in trauma um, too. Our, your emotions are still there. They're just coming out in the wrong way or you're thinking with your emotions and thinking that you're thinking. Right. And so, um, it's a disordered, they're not aligned. Like you said, they're not aligned and in their proper place in a way that they can work together in a beautiful way. Yeah. One of the great ironies, and I have really upset a number of people who are very in their head with this Mm -hmm. is that the only way to think clearly is to live an emotionally full life. Mm hmm. Right. Because if you live an emotionally full life, you let your emotions be their emotions. They don't, your emotions don't try to take over your mind. But if you sublimate and you like try to repress and you try to like pretend you don't have these emotions, 
they take revenge upon you by hacking your mind Mm -hmm. and like affecting your mind emotionally. And so you make these decisions that you think are thoughts, but they're really just your trauma and your, your feelings and your hurts coming out. And so I tell people, yeah, you think you're thinking better because you've shut down your emotions. Mm -hmm. You're actually thinking worse, Mm -hmm. much worse because your mind is, is like hacking and taking over and coming out through your mental processes in ways you don't Mm -hmm. even understand. Yeah. So loving God with all your heart means giving all that's in your heart to God, Mm -hmm. but also opening your heart to healing emotionally Mm -hmm. so that there's more there, that there's, there's more life there to give to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's going to require discipline. That yeah. Getting back to the embracing discipline piece, because it's going to be just as hard, probably harder mm-hmm. than like cutting off ne- like Netflix or your porn habit or whatever right. to embrace God. It, but f- but, and for a lot of people, it just means when you read the Bible yeah. or when you attend to Christian truths, study, mm-hmm. but then also mentally kind of step back Mm -hmm. to admire the the forest not just the trees Mm -hmm. and let yourself kind of feel and Mm -hmm. intuit the right feelings around what you're studying Mm -hmm. and allow yourself to say that's amazing (laughs) or I never thought of it that way (laughs) Mm -hmm. before or this could really help me or I'm so glad God did this Mm -hmm. and to actually begin to work with it uh, on an emotional level and not just a analytical ordering level mm-hmm. yeah you know because i think jung was right when he said that intuition is just another kind of thinking mm-hmm. you know we want to think that when we use our mind analytically that's thinking and when we things occur to us that's feeling mm-hmm. and it, that, that they're both kinds of thinking mm-hmm. and they both access different parts of us and they come to different realizations mm-hmm. and they're both from god and you just have, and they're supposed to work together and one's mm-hmm. not supposed to dominate the other. Mm-hmm. And so. And it's not really a matter of personality either. No. Like God has created us all with. Everybody both. has intuition mm-hmm. and analytical capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, we think sometimes more of analytical capacity because the, you develop it through sort of like tactical hard work. Mm-hmm. And intuition develops usually over experience. Mm-hmm. And so because they're developed differently, it feels like we're developing our minds mm-hmm. more. And so that seems more reliable and it also seems more powerful. Mm-hmm. But if you've known somebody who's developed their intuition through long, long reflective experience, it's like they have the gift of prophecy or something. <laughs> they know everything before anything's mm-hmm. been said mm-hmm. because that way of thinking is extremely powerful too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Let's move on to um, your second point. So that was what you give your attention to is probably the most important thing about you. The second point is who you give your attention to is probably the most important thing about you. And you talked about three groups to give disciplined attention. Uh, The first is fellowship. The second is unity and solidarity. And the third is hospitality. And so let's walk through these a little bit. But the first one is fellowship, which you talked about as God putting us together to care for and strengthen each other. Right. In the body of Christ, there are people Mm -hmm. close to you in proximity that are there to strengthen you and to care for you. Mm -hmm. And you can only receive the benefit of those things if you give your attention to them. Mm -hmm. Whether or not you give your attention to fellowship, the who of whom Mm -hmm. God has given you, Mm -hmm. um, can can you receive the strengthening, the transformation, the care, 
that God is giving mm-hmm. you through those people. And so who you give your attention to in fellowship is one of the most important things about you. And that requires in the local church, committing to a local church going yeah, and going, going. Church, being part of the <laughs> consistently local even yeah. uh, to use tim keller's language it doesn't really happen until you immerse yourself yeah mm-hmm. meaningful that doesn't mean you're here nine hours a week mm-hmm. but it just means that like you have fully given yourself to the participation in mm-hmm. the relationships and into the family of those people mm-hmm. yeah people know you they know what's going on in your life mm-hmm. and you know that about other people you actually share openly what's mm-hmm. really going on all that yeah Mm-hmm. Okay, the second is unity and solidarity, uh, which you talked about as ha- um, having to become what we were made in Christ in our body and as a body. So how is this different than fellowship? Yeah, so um, unity and solidarity, I would say, is similar to fellowship, but it's a li- it's one step more remote usually, but also one step further. So mm-hmm. let me try to explain this by giving an example, right? Um, the pastor of Mount Zion Baptist Church in Madison is Marcus Allen, right? African-American guy. He and I are friends. Play basketball together, hung out together, have conversations together. I like him. He likes me. I think we're friends, okay? But we hardly ever see each other day to day, mm-hmm. right? So we're not, we're, I'm not the person God uses to strengthen and care for him. Mm. He doesn't grow because he's having all these conversations with me and I'm in his life, right? But we're in unity and solidarity with each other. There are a number of ways in which we try to bring glory to Christ together in this city, right? We're in unity. Mm -hmm. And there are even ways that we're trying to like work on certain problems that the church can be a part of solving in the city, right? And we're both part of that. We're in unity with each other and we're in solidarity. That is where we're a solid, we're one solid Mm -hmm. thing that's indivisible, Mm -hmm. that's working towards a goal, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and yet I'm not, I'm not his fellowship and he's not my fellowship, right? Even Mm -hmm. though we're brothers in Christ, just mm-hmm. as much as I'm brothers as the other people I'm with. Mm-hmm. You can also see this relationship in cross-gender relationships, mm-hmm. right? There are women who I am in fellowship with in the in the church, right? Even on our staff team. And yet they are not the primary people in my life to strengthen me, care for me, and transform me, right? Mm-hmm. But we're, we're unified mm-hmm. and we're solidly on the same team mm-hmm. for the purposes of Jesus. And that is... And being being united with them as women being united with the usually oftentimes cross-cultural across ethnic mm-hmm. relationships um, allow us to materially be brothers and sisters in Christ, mm-hmm. even though you can't be in immediate fellowship with everybody. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yep. And so unity and solidarity is the next wider concentric circle out from fellowship. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And then the third thing is hospitality, um, mm-hmm. which is welcoming the stranger and unincluded. And this one uh, seems hard to do along with fellowship because fellowship takes so much time. If you're yeah. going to be regularly going to church and doing um, your small group and things like that, um, what? how do we build hos- hospitable relationships in addition to fellowship relationships? Yeah. So, yeah, there is a certain tension between in order for two people, A and B, to have a close relationship, there's got to be a lot of reps between them, Mm -hmm. right? And if A or B is going to spend time with C, D, E, and F, those are all situations in which it's not A and B time. And so there's a couple things you can say about that. One Mm -hmm. is it's a tension you have to manage, Mm -hmm. right? You just... You're going to do both. You have to welcome in people and you have to give yourself to fellowship and you, you just have to do both. 
right? Mm-hmm. And you have to manage that tension. The second is B doesn't always have to abandon A to spend time with C, mm-hmm. right? Part of hospitality is inviting the stranger in. Well, into what? Widening the circle. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's widening the circle. It's not mm-hmm. dividing the circle. So you invite yeah. C into the relationship between A and B, right? Mm-hmm. And that's always terrifying because you're afraid you're, afraid you're going to get less of the person you're in fellowship mm-hmm. with. But in reality, if we do it for the right reasons, um, usually what you get is more. Mm-hmm. You get another friend. You actually, um, your your new friend will bring things out of your other friend yeah. you weren't bringing out of them. Mm-hmm. It usually enriches your relationship with everyone. Mm-hmm. But it also does decentralize you from the center. Yeah. And that can feel very destabilizing, right? Mm-hmm. And you can feel jealous. Mm-hmm. That's very real. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that also comes out of our insecurities. And yeah. so hospitality, inviting people in, will force us to face those insecurities. Mm-hmm if we really want to grow. And I think that comes out of solidarity too, especially if you have a friend who knows the value of hospitality. That is something you can be unified in, in your fellowship Mm -hmm. to welcome someone else and knowing that that's the important thing to do. Um, So like including inviting people into your small group or into a a Bible study you have with your one friend or inviting them to brunch with your friend. (laughs) Um, But after, after church, but um, that can feel scary, but it's, um, C.S. Lewis actually talks about friendship as the, in his book, The Four Loves, about the least jealous of all the loves, which mm-hmm. personally that was hard for me to read because I was, I feel jealous all the time yeah. in friendships, but because it is this opening and widening of the circle, that's what it requires. Yeah, yeah because it, Lewis's view of friendship, friendship is about a shared journey mm-hmm. and a shared interest and, and, and a seeing of the world, at least in a particular way, the same way. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody enters your friendship, it's because they share those very specific yeah. criteria, right? And because of that, he believes it's the least jealous mm. of right? But if it's just about popularity yeah. or something else, then friendship can be the most jealous, mm-hmm. right? It depends mm-hmm. on what the, what the functional or operating concept in your idea of friendship is, yeah. right? That's good. Um, so a couple of things I shared. One of the ways to deal with the tension of hospitality and fellowship at church is to say this, there are certain times when hospitality is the fundamental priority. Yeah. And the main time that is, is what I call the golden nine minutes, mm-hmm. which is the first minutes after a worship service ends. Because most unconnected, a lot of unconnected people to church will come late to the worship service. Mm-hmm. So right before worship service is actually a good time to fellowship. Talk yeah. to people you know, it's totally fine. Unless people you don't know come in. Right, mm-hmm. but oftentimes they come late. It's the first minutes after the service. Mm-hmm. Don't talk to your friends. Don't fellowship. Talk to and connect with people you don't recognize, people who look like they're leaving, mm-hmm. people who nobody's starting a conversation with them, and include them in human conversation first, mm-hmm. and ask them a couple of questions about their life. And if they're into it, if it seems like they're into the conversation, talk to them more. And if not, mm-hmm. just say, hey, it was really great to meet you. I hope I get to see you again. Right? And then mm-hmm. let him go. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and I would say for about the first nine minutes after a service, you should be doing that. Every, mm-hmm. every Christian should be doing hospitality. Mm-hmm. But do that before you talk to your friends who are sitting right next to you. Yes. Because that will take up the nine minutes. <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. yes. Right. So turn behind you before next to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and, and then take it as far as you can mm-hmm. 
um, invite people to lunch if you can, or, or even better, talk to them for four or five minutes and then invite them into the conversation that you yeah. then turn to have with your friends. Yeah. Especially if it's like, so what did you learn in that sermon? Or what do you think God wants us to do because of what we just heard? Or like, mm-hmm. how did worship bless you today? Or how did, mm-hmm. right? And then try to invite that person into that conversation. Mm-hmm. And then you're having fellowship, having done hospitality, right? And they're meeting more people, mm-hmm. which is great. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I think it can be done if mm-hmm. we give our attention to the right mm-hmm. things, right? Yeah. One of the things I also talked about was like my hierarchy, right? This is going to sound like probably unfun to some people and maybe a little bigoted, but I'm very, I'm very focused on how I do this. The number one criteria that I'm looking for is somebody who's leaving. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to catch people who are leaving mm-hmm. and especially if they're leaving and I don't know them mm-hmm. and they're leaving and I don't know them and they're not the majority race. Mm-hmm. Those are the people I go for first. Mm-hmm. Then I go for the non-majority race and that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I go for the non-majority race. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but if I see somebody leaving that I don't know who's the majority race, that's what I go for. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I have this kind of hierarchy in my head. Who's leaving, who's disconnected, leaving yeah. and not naturally one of us, unless yeah. we break down the dividing wall of hostility, mm-hmm. then who's leaving and I don't recognize and not included. Mm-hmm. Then who's just leaving or who's just not included or who's just not the majority race, mm-hmm. right? And then I'm just going to look for people who seem like they need a conversation. Mm-hmm. And so one of the ways that you know you're my friend is if on Sunday morning, I either do not talk to you for the first 10 or 12 minutes after the service or two, I bring a person over to you and introduce them to you mm-hmm. because I just started talking with them. You're not talking to someone. Mm-hmm. This person has some shared interests with you. I know that because mm-hmm. I know you. So I'm going to introduce them to you. I'm going to say, hey, so-and-so does such and such, right? Yeah. What I'm telling you to do is have a conversation with this person about that, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go find somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's what that means. Mm-hmm. And so then all you do is you just talk to that person. Yep. Right. And here's what this also means is that we all have to do that, not just you. <laughs> right. And so. Um, right. For our church to yeah. grow on the basis of including people. 30% of people have to do this, mm-hmm. right? Which I know sounds like, well, that's probably already happening. No, it isn't. Yeah, count yourself as one of the 30%. You if you're, are one if of you're listening to this. You need to pretend like we need 90%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you, if everybody has a mentality that it needs to be 90 or 95% mm-hmm. of people, we'll get 28%. Because mm-hmm. you can't assume someone else is doing it. No. Yeah. And that's always mm-hmm. a problem in a large yeah. church. People at places like High Point think we don't need their giving financially mm-hmm. because we must have plenty of money mm-hmm. right but what if everybody thinks that way right right yeah or we don't need people to serve here because we got plenty of people well what if everybody thinks that way yeah. or we don't need people to do hospitality because there's lots of people who do hospitality well what if everybody thinks that way mm-hmm. i mean and i get this a lot from people almost self-righteously like well you just don't need me you don't need my mm-hmm. money you don't need me you don't need my service you don't need me to do stuff the high point has plenty of resources only if you are part of those resources, mm-hmm. only if we're all part of our resources, mm-hmm. right? And so that's a big problem. Mm-hmm. And so maybe I can't get you to repent about the money thing or about the serving thing. Mm-hmm. Let's start with the hospitality thing, right? Mm-hmm. Who you give your attention to is one of the most important things about you. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you give your attention to those not included at the most critical moments when mm-hmm. they need to be included mm-hmm. or they walk away. 
mm-hmm. is one of the most important things about you. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you're an introvert. And these things will be will require discipline, so they will be difficult, but they will produce joy and yes. and a, a deeper um relationship with everyone in our local church. Yeah. And more- almost anybody everybody knows who does this mm-hmm. has stories of God doing stuff. Yeah, it's really cool. So it'll feel scary, it'll be hard, but it will produce joy. And just remember in Hebrews 12, Jesus <laughs> for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And so, I mean, this is way easier than enduring yeah. a cross because he did that for us. But And you're doing the personal discipline yeah. of making yourself do hard things. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which the, every time you do that, you get a little stronger. Mm-hmm. And every time you don't, you get a little weaker. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. It's like taking a cold shower. Mm-hmm. Right? If you can make yourself get under the cold water, you just got a little stronger. Mm-hmm. And if you just were like, no, I just want everything to be comfortable. <laughs> that's fine. It's totally fine to be comfortable. But while you're being comfortable, you're getting a little weaker. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. all. So at some point, you better do stuff that makes you stronger. Right? Mm-hmm. And one of the ways is to do things that are mentally difficult. Focus your concentration when you're at work. Get things done instead of letting yourself be diverted. Going and talking to that person when you'd rather just talk to a friend. Mm-hmm. Like listening to the whole sermon instead of just the first 20 minutes of it. Going to church every week. Like all that stuff, making your, yourself do the hard thing. That's what Matt, that really, that makes you stronger. Mm-hmm. And then there are times of leisure and ease, mm-hmm. which you need to rest and regroup. Mm-hmm but you're still, you're still getting weaker mm-hmm. while you do that. And this is a world that requires us to be strong mm-hmm. and courageous, mm-hmm. right? Even though we're people of grace, part of where we can have the extra mm-hmm. to be gracious is because we're productive and strong and we're not cannibalizing ourselves mm-hmm. and eating out our own hearts because we're choosing to do what's good and right and beautiful we're giving our attention to the right things so that God can form us in the right ways and redeem us well so that we have generosity that can pour out of us because there's mm-hmm. an abundance. There's streams of living water. We're mm-hmm. sharing in the divine nature, like it says in Second Peter 1. Mm-hmm. And out of that, there's so much for others, mm-hmm. right? There's love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we hope this was helpful and we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks, right. Nick. listening to this episode of the Engage and Equip podcast. If you'd like to find more episodes, you can go online to highpointchurch.org slash podcast. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and other apps like that. We hope this episode was helpful to you as you grow in becoming a more substantive disciple and a part of the local church. If this episode was helpful to you, rate or review us on Apple Podcasts or share this episode with a friend. Those are some of the best ways we have to reach new listeners. Until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of Engage and Equip.